Um, it's good to see everyone this Memorial Day weekend. Obviously, we have uh, we have some regular attenders who are elsewhere enjoying this holiday weekend, but we're really glad that you're here this morning. And uh, if you have been part of New Day and been here the last couple of months, you'll know that Pastor Cameron has been spending some time in uh, Matthew's Gospel in the Sermon on the Mount, and he's been going through section by section and uh, teaching us from that passage of Scripture. Well, he will be back next week to uh, pick up where he left off. And uh, this week, I want to spend a little bit of time in a different part of Matthew's gospel. And uh, we're going to look at a parable that is one of the most probably well-known parables that Jesus shared during his ministry. And uh, we're going to spend some time looking at that and really focusing on the theme this morning of um, our hearts and receiving God's word. And um, as New Day, as a church family, there's a few things in particular that we really like to highlight uh, throughout the ministries that are here at the church. So there are some things that we really consider to be um, foundational to the life of our church here. And we really try to have these kind of values come through in lots of different ways and lots of different ministries, whether that's through preaching and teaching, the worship team, the prayer team, prophetic team ministry, small, small group ministry with life groups, uh, kids ministry, youth group, I mean, you name it. We really try to um, have these values uh, come through in lots of different ways. And one of the main things as a church that we really hold on to and we really like to talk about a lot is how to hear God's voice, is hearing God's voice and, and learning what is it like to hear God's voice. And so if you've been coming to New Day and if you've been around, you'll know that um, that's something that we really talk about quite a bit is how to hear God's voice and the importance of hearing God's voice. And as a church, we really believe that God is uh, talking to us today, that he's speaking. He speaks in lots of different ways to us. And um, that's important that we learn how to hear God's voice. And so that's one part of uh, that's one part of that whole process of learning about God. But there's another side to it, which is the side of uh, when God does speak to us, when we hear his word to us, what do we do with that word? How do we receive that word? How do we respond to what God says to us? So it's one thing to be able to hear God's voice and to be able to, to learn the different ways that God speaks. It's another thing then to take that word and to let it go deep into our lives and to let it bear fruit in our lives. And that's what we want to focus on this morning is that side where we're really looking at what happens when God speaks to us and then how do we respond to that? What conditions should be present in our life so that we can respond to God's word? So before we get into the passage that I want us to focus on this morning in Matthew's Gospel, I want to first turn to an Old Testament passage that talks about God's Word. And again, this might be familiar to some of you, but it's, it's quite a well-known passage from the Old Testament. And it's found in Isaiah. It's found in Isaiah 55. And I just want to share a couple of verses from this chapter. And it begins, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word 
that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So those words might be familiar to you. They might be fairly new to you, but we learn a couple of important things about the character, the quality of God's word in this passage. So especially when we look at this final verse, we see that God's word comes to us with a purpose in mind. So when God speaks to us, he speaks to us with a purpose in mind. God's word comes to us with purpose. And you might have had those times in your life where God speaks a word to you, but maybe it's through scripture as you're reading scripture, maybe some other way, but God's word comes to you in a way where you know that that word is for you. It's just for you in that moment. And it has deep meaning for you. You realize there's a purpose that that word was spoken by God. There's a purpose for that word for me in this season. But God's word comes with purpose. And we also see that there is a character to God's word where it has the, the power it needs to fulfill itself, even when it's spoken. So God's word comes to us with this strength, with this ability to fulfill these purposes. And so there's this dynamic quality when God speaks to us, that it comes with a purpose and it comes with a power to accomplish that purpose. And so this morning I want to talk about how do we make sure to receive that word from God? How do we ensure that we're receiving God's word into our lives in a way that sees these purposes accomplished? So one of the one of maybe the best known stories that Jesus shares is the parable of the sower. And you might be familiar with this story already uh, from the Gospels. It's actually recorded in two different places. And sometimes you find that in scripture where there's one story, but it's recorded in more than one gospel. And uh, this story, uh, the parable of the sower, is actually recorded in Matthew's gospel and also in Mark's gospel. And we're going to spend um, our time this morning in Matthew's version of this story um, with a couple of insights from Mark's uh, gospel as well added in to help us understand it. But primarily we're going to be looking at Matthew's gospel this morning. In this section of Matthew's gospel where the parable of the sower is found, Jesus um, has finished his teaching the Sermon on the Mount. So we're a little bit further along in the gospel story than we have been when we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount. But Jesus is doing a similar thing that we find in that Sermon on the Mount where he is teaching the people who have come to hear him. Jesus is in the middle of teaching the people and there's large crowds that are gathering. And we'll see as we get into this passage that there's large crowds that are coming, that are gathering to hear Jesus speak and to hear Jesus teach. And as he teaches them, he teaches them in parables. And that was a way of teaching where Jesus would use very common everyday images very uh, common everyday themes, things that people would be very familiar with. And he uses these very, uh, in some ways, mundane and very common, very ordinary things. He uses these images and ways to talk about deep things of the kingdom of God. He uses these very kind of ordinary aspects of life to share very, very deep truths about how we understand God and how we live in relationship with him. And that's one of the cases that we have with the parable of the sower. Now, so let's uh, 
Let's look at that parable, and it's actually found in uh, Matthew chapter 13, and we'll start at verse 1. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake, and such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up and the plants were scorched, they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. So Jesus shares this parable, this story. It's a very common image, the image of a farmer sowing seed and the different types of soil that the seed lands on. So part of the large crowd that had gathered to listen to Jesus' teaching involved this smaller group of his 12 closest followers, his 12 disciples. And the disciples, true to form, didn't really capture what Jesus was saying in this parable, they didn't, didn't really get it. So they came to Jesus a little bit later when all of the large crowds had gone away and they said, Jesus, is there a way that you could explain this parable of the sower because we, we want to understand what it's saying and we just don't really understand what it's saying. So Jesus, a little bit later in this chapter, explains the parable in more detail. Listen then. This is Jesus speaking to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last Only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or 30 times what was sown. This imagery of a farmer sowing seed is universal. We all understand it. And in Jesus' day, the farmer would have had a little pouch with seed and he would have gone on and scattered the seed by hand in the fields. And uh, even today, we're very, very familiar with this whole imagery, this whole idea of seed being sown. We're really familiar with this idea that seed goes into the ground and the soil conditions have to be just right. And over time, something grows up where that seed was planted. So I know um, for, for us, we have those, um, those bare spots in our backyard where the grass is not growing. And uh, there's a spot that our dog likes to dig up. So every, uh, every year, every spring, I've got to go out and uh, p- 
put the grass seed back where the dog insists on digging. I don't even know what's there. Like, it's just a hole every time. But he's just find this one spot that he just loves to dig up. So every year we got to go out and put some soil in there and put some grass seed. We got this big tree, has lots of shade, and the same thing. We can't get any grass to grow underneath that tree. And so every year we got to go and try to, you know, throw some seed around and at least make an attempt for the grass to grow under that spot. Does anybody else have that problem? So we are throwing this grass seed around and hoping that something will happen. Well, a few years ago, we um, at our, our previous house, we decided that we wanted to put in a patio at the back so we would have somewhere to sit. And um, we decided to do a concrete patio. And so we went out and the first thing we did is we, we dug up the dirt and the grass that was right beside the back of the house. And we got it dug out the right size so the patio could be put in. And we got all the ground ready and we got all the concrete forms done and we came and poured the concrete and finished it off and it looked real nice. But then the problem was we had all this dirt along the edge of the patio where the new patio sat where there was no grass because we dug it all up. It looked really bad. So we put all this work in. The patio looked good, but all this dirt didn't look so good. So we had all this grass and then this pile of dirt in our patio. And so we knew we had to fix that as the last step in our in our project. So we uh, did the right thing. We went to the store and we bought a, a bag of grass seed and we got that really, um, you know, that, that soil that's got all the nutrients, all the extra stuff in it to make your grass grow quicker and, and you know, give you guaranteed results, that type of thing. So, uh, so we got that and we, I leveled all the dirt off, got rid of the extra and I, I went out and I sowed this grass seed. And then I started the ritual of watering the grass seed twice a day. So before I go to work in the morning, I would get up and get the hose and water the grass. I'd wait. And then at night, right before I go to bed, same thing, water the grass. Has anyone else had to do this ritual with the grass seed? So it's what you're supposed to do. It's right on the bag at the back. So, so I was out there watering the grass. And I don't know exactly how long this is supposed to take, but after a week, I got no grass. I got nothing. There's not even like the first little shoots of grass. So when I look more closely, I realized that instead of the seeds growing, what I'd managed to do was actually wash all of the seeds off the soil and there wasn't even any seeds left. So I thought about this and realized the problem wasn't the water and it wasn't the seed. The problem was the soil. And I hadn't given the, the grass seed enough of a, t- of a chance to really get into the soil and to take root and grow. So go back and do it again and take a little more care putting the grass seed in and make sure that it's just right, all the seeds, the right depth in the soil. Do my watering routine in the morning and at night. And lo and behold, the second time around, the seed has a chance to grow, puts on root, and the grass starts to grow and it starts coming up. And every time I come, every day I come home from work, I'd see that grass had grown just a little more. And that was exciting to see it grow up and fill in all those bare spots. And then, man, the first time I got to cut that grass and blend it all in with everything else, it was a happy day. It was good. But it took a while for that to happen, and it took some work for that to happen. And um, Jesus is basically using that same analogy, that same story, to talk about our lives and to talk about our heart's response to whenever God speaks to us. And there are four different types of soil. There's four different um, types of soil that Jesus talks about in this story. 
So the first type of soil is the soil that is, is, the, is the path, basically. And it's, it's dirt that is so pressed and so hardened that whenever the seed hits that soil, it has no chance whatsoever of putting down roots and growing. It's the seed that whenever it lands, the birds come and take it away before it has a chance to do anything. And Jesus said that this is like when the word of God is proclaimed. You know, the seed was scattered, but the word of God is proclaimed in a similar way where the word of God goes out. And whenever the word of God hits the soil, it is like the path. The word of God has no way to get into our hearts, no way to get into our lives. And it's a combination of our, of our hearts being hardened and then also the work of the enemy. Jesus says that the enemy comes in and he snatches the seed away, just like the birds came and took that seed away off of the hard, packed dirt. And so Jesus is saying that, you know, when God's word goes out and our, and our hearts are hardened, that God's word has no way to take root in our lives. And if it can't get into our lives and if, it can't, if the seed can't get into the dirt, then it can't put down roots and ultimately it cannot produce anything. And this dirt is different than the other three types that we see because there's not even a chance in this type of soil for the seed to take root at all. The second type of soil is the rocky soil. And this is where the seed goes in and it has the chance to put down some roots at least. And so Jesus said that in this situation, it's, it's those of us who can receive God's word and we even receive it with joy. It says that, you know, this word is received with joy. And yet, over time, there's a shallowness to the soil that means that the roots can't go deep enough. There's not enough substance to the soil in this image. And so the roots don't go deep enough and the rocks get in the way. Again, if you've ever been working in your yard, have you ever hit a rock while you're digging? Maybe you're putting a plant in or, you know, if you've ever put up a fence, you're guaranteed to hit lots of rocks, right? And you're just guaranteed to find them in your yard. So you're trying to put the posts in or whatever, and you'll come across rocks. And what do you do when you hit a rock? You've got to dig the rock out. You've got to somehow get around that rock or you've got to dig somewhere else. That rock is just right there in the way. It's an obstacle. And it's the same way in this image, whereas the roots go down, they hit this obstacle of the rock. And Jesus tells us that there's times when the word of God comes to us and it initially takes root in our lives, but then it hits the rock. It hits the rock. And the rock is, is an image of the fact that when difficulty comes, when trial comes, that the roots stop growing. When trial and difficulty comes, that God's word stops taking root in our lives. The third type of soil is the thorny soil, which is where the plants go a little deeper, their roots go a little deeper, that seed goes a little deeper, and the plant even begins to grow up. And the signs are really good, the signs are really positive. But over time, we see that something else is growing up along with the plant. Something else is growing up along with the plant that was supposed to be there. And it's the thorns that are growing up alongside that plant. And as the thorns are growing up alongside that plant, eventually they cried out that plant, that the thorns 
cried at that plant. In the same way, Jesus is saying that when the word of God is received in our lives, when we hear the word of God, when we let it start to work in our lives, when it goes deeper into our lives, when the roots go deeper, and yet when those thorns come in, that the word of God is choked out of our life. And what does that, what does that mean? Well, Jesus says that these thorns are the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and Mark's gospel actually adds something else, where Mark's gospel adds to the list the desire for other things choke out the plant. So we have three things that, that are really the thorns that stop God's word from going deeper in our lives. We have the deceitfulness of wealth, the worries of life, and the desire for other things that come in and choke out God's word. The ultimate problem with each of these first three types of soil is that there's no harvest. There's no harvest. The seed doesn't have long enough. It doesn't have the opportunity to get into the soil and to produce a harvest. There's something about each of these three types of soil that stops a harvest from coming. And remember, the goal is that God's word would come like that seed into good soil, and would find a way to grow and to produce a harvest. And so finally, the good soil are the conditions that are just right for growth, where the seed can come in and take root and grow and ultimately produce a harvest multiple times over. And Jesus said this represents the type of person who is able to hear God's word and understand it. And Mark's gospel actually adds to this as well. Mark says it's not just about understanding, hearing and understanding God's word. It's also about accepting God's word. So the good soil are people who are able to hear God's word, to understand it, and to accept it. And this soil is ideal for growth. This is the type of person that Jesus is telling us to be, that our hearts and our minds would be open to hearing and accepting and understanding God's word. There's a couple of other things about this whole picture, this whole analogy of the seed and the soil that are important for us to think about as we consider this whole idea of how to hear God's voice and how to receive God's voice. And and it's important that we understand some of these other aspects about this whole image because it helps us to know that we're on track because we want to then know how do we ensure that we're living lives that are essentially good soil, right? How do we know that we are good soil for God's word to come in and take root and go deeper in our lives and produce a harvest? Well, we already know that um, Jesus has mentioned a couple of things He's mentioned the fact that, that soil will sometimes have rocks, that soil will sometimes have thorns, and, and soil will sometimes be too hard. And so we can kind of flip that and to the opposite, and we know that those conditions are maybe there for good soil, right? That the good soil is soft instead of hard. There's a softness to the soil that it can receive the seed as it is sown. And in the same way, the good soil is free from rocks, and the good soil is free from thorns, that there's room, that there's space for that seed to come into the soil and to grow. And in the same way, our hearts are to have that openness, that softness, and that room for God's word to come in and take root and grow in our lives. 
But this whole image is, an, is a very kind of pastoral image. It's a very, uh, you know, just an image of nature and an image of, of growth. And the idea of the seed being sown into the soil is an image that takes time. Right, that growth for the seed to go in to the ground and to grow and to produce a harvest, that takes time. And it's not an instant process. It's no quick answer. It's no guarantee. It's not one of those you know, infomercials where you see this is going to happen in 30 days. You'll see results uh, guaranteed or your money back. It's not like that. It's a seed that goes in to the ground and it takes time to grow. A couple of weeks ago, I was listening to the radio and they had uh, a reporter on there and she was going out to local farmers and was asking them about how their, um, how their work was going after the huge floods that we had, especially in the Grand Rapids area. So you remember last month we had huge rains and there was a lot of flooding up in the Grand Rapids area in particular. So this reporter went out and, and talked to farmers and said, essentially, where are you, you know, normally at this time of year and how is these, these floods affecting what you're doing? And so she was asking them specifically about their corn crop for the year. And they said, well, we're way behind where we normally should be at this time of year. And they said, we just haven't even gotten close to the amount of, of, of corn, you know, seed in the ground that we should have. And that we're really trying to, to catch up. So... She said, well, what's the next step for you? And this one farmer in particular said, well, I can't sow anything right now. My, my fields are flooded and there's just no way I can do anything. He said, I just have to wait until my fields dry out so that I can plant all the seed. Grow rice. Grow rice. There you go. So she says, well, how long is that going to take? He said, I don't know. But if these fields don't dry out in the next couple of weeks... He said, it's not even going to be worth planting the seed because it won't have long enough to grow in time for harvest. It won't have long enough to grow before the harvest should come in. It's this whole process of sowing seed, letting it grow, and come to harvest takes time. And it's the same way when we hear God's word spoken into our lives. That those words, like seeds, have different growth periods and different harvests that they produce in our life. And sometimes a word that God speaks to us takes a long time to come to harvest. Sometimes when God speaks a word, it comes to harvest very quickly. There are some things that you sow like grass seed, and you can see the results within a week or two, right? And you feel like, this is awesome. But there's other things like corn that you plant, and it takes a lot months, right? How many months? I don't even know. Six months? It takes a long time. And so it's the same way. When God's word comes into our lives, sometimes it takes an awfully long time for it to come to harvest. Does that mean that nothing is happening in our lives with that word? Does that mean that that word has stopped growing? Does it mean that that word has stopped bringing life? No, it just hasn't come to harvest. The other thing about this whole image of sowing seed into the soil And how it relates to God's word in our lives is that it takes effort. So it takes time, but it also takes effort. So, you know, the farmer sows the seed. Well, the farmer's work isn't done until harvest, right? It's not as if the farmer goes on vacation the entire time that the seed is in the ground and the plants are growing, right? The farmer has to come in and cultivate that field has to make sure that the plants are growing up just right, has to make sure that there's no rocks and thorns and that the soil is just right. 
And so in the same way, when we hear God's word, there may well be work involved in our lives to make sure that that word is growing strong in our lives. You know, it's interesting that Jesus didn't really qualify in some ways, you know, this this whole idea of there being obstacles and barriers because he said, you know, it's just a fact that some of the soil is, is too hard to receive the seed. That's that sometimes the soil is too hard. Sometimes there's rocks in that soil and sometimes there's thorns in the soil. So in the same way in our lives, when we receive a word from God, if we hear a word from God and it seems as though it's not really taking root. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's the fact that it's too hard. You know, maybe our hearts are too hard to hear God's word, or maybe there's stones, or maybe there's thorns. And in some ways, we shouldn't be surprised that that's the case, because Jesus tells us that these are different types of soil that exist. And our goal is to get to a point where our hearts are soft, where, where we're able to receive God's word and let it go deep. But there might well be work to do to get some stones out and to, to get some thorns out of that soil and to soften it up so we can hear what God is saying. In the Apostle Paul's writings in the New Testament, he often talks about a similar analogy to this whole idea of the seed being sown and going into our lives. Paul talks about the analogy of someone growing up, going from being an infant to fully an adult with the ability to reason and to think as an adult instead of a baby. That's an image of the Christian life where we grow and we mature over time, where we start understanding at maybe a very basic level. When you first became a Christian and into relationship with Jesus, there's probably things that you didn't know about Jesus and about relationship with God that you do know today because you've had time to grow in your faith. And you've had the chance to learn from others, to read scripture, to pray, to hear directly from God. There's stages of growth that we go through in our lives. In the same way, there's stages that we go through where we make our hearts even more ready and receptive to hear God's word and to respond to him. There are times in life where we respond to God's word, where we make sure that our hearts are softened towards him, where we make sure that the stones and the rocks and the hardness of our hearts is being softened and made ready for God's word to take root. Now, Paul isn't afraid to talk about the trials and the struggles of being a Christian and what it takes to really wrestle through what it means to be a Christian and all those stages of growth. And he often, when he writes, will include these prayers and these passages to the Christians that he's writing. He'll often include these passages where he talks about different things that he wants them to grow into, different things that he wants them to learn, and different ways that they should be preparing their lives um, and, and measuring whether they have that good soil in their lives. So I just want to finish this morning by looking at um, a couple of verses from Colossians, just as we look at some of the ways that Paul encourages the believers to develop lives that are really open and receptive and soft to what God is saying and what God is doing. The first is just a quick verse from Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. It says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Continue to live your lives in him. This reminds us that there's an ongoing process to the Christian life where we start by receiving Christ. We start by receiving the word, but it continues to grow. There's a continual process. It's not just a one time and then that's it. 
There's a continual side of relationship and of growth with Christ. He continues in that verse that we are rooted and built up in him, strengthened in our faith. Just as, just as the Colossians were taught, he said they're overflowing with thankfulness. This idea that there was the receiving of Christ, that they were rooted in Christ, they're being built up in him and strengthened in their faith. It's the same idea with the seed and the growth and the roots that Jesus talks about in the parable of the sower. A little bit later in the letter of Colossians, Paul gives a list of some things that he thinks the Colossians should be developing and growing in their lives. He says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. That's just one aspect of Paul's ministry, where he would write to these believers, where he would encourage them to have different virtues, different characteristics that were evident in their lives, that were being developed in their lives. And you might say, how do I know that I'm developing the right type of soil, the right type of environment where God's uh, word can come in, where God's word can come and grow? Well, Paul talks about in, in Galatians, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, things that are evident in our lives. And it's a very similar list, list to what we just read, where there are certain characteristics where if these characteristics are being more and more evident in your life, then it's a pretty good sign that the soil in your life, that the growing conditions for hearing God's word are rich and that you have the good soil in your life. Ultimately, we believe as a church that God is still speaking today. And because he's still speaking today, we need to learn how to hear his voice. We also need to learn how to receive what he said to us and grow in our ability to receive that word of God and let it grow in our lives. So in closing this morning, maybe there's a word that God has spoken to you in the past. Maybe he's speaking to you and that word has had a hard time getting into your life. Maybe your heart is hardened towards God speaking. Maybe you've let that word of God come in and it's taken root. Maybe, maybe you've even joyfully accepted the word of God. But because of rocks and difficult times in life, the difficulties have come in and the word of God has stopped growing in your life. Maybe the ability for that word to grow in your life and, and put on deep roots in your heart. Maybe that's been thwarted. Maybe that's stopped. Or maybe the word of God has come into your life and begun to change you, begun to grow and to begun to produce that plant. But maybe through thorns that has been choked out. Maybe the, the um, cares of the world, deceitfulness of wealth. Maybe the other things that, that capture our attention, our imagination and our energy. Maybe they have come in and thwarted out that, that word of God in our lives. Remember back to that first passage in Isaiah where we looked at the fact that God's word comes to us with a purpose in mind, comes to us with a purpose. And we want to remember that God speaks to us for a reason.
He speaks to us for a reason. And as we live our lives, we want to receive that word and let the purposes for God's word, for God speaking to us, be evident in our lives. So I want to close with prayer and I'm just going to ask that God would come and that he would work in our lives, that he would soften us to hear his word so that we could allow his word to go deep into our hearts. So let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are speaking to us, that you continue to speak today. And Father, as you speak, I pray that we would have ears to hear you, but also hearts to receive your word to receive what you're saying, God, that our hearts would be like the good soil that is soft, that is free from rocks, free from thorns, God, and able to receive your word. Help us, God, if we have allowed our hearts to become hardened or, or just your word has a hard time taking root in our lives, God. Help us, each of us, God, to know how to, to better receive and to host your word in our lives, God, that it would go down and put deep roots and produce a harvest. Help us, God, to be able to make room in our hearts and our lives for your word to go in deep and to change us, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.